Welcome everyone to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany Jordan. And I'm Howard Love. And Howard, today we are going to talk about something I'm very passionate about and have very strong opinions about, as everyone will come to know, and that mm -hmm. is cannabis, marijuana, weed. So today we're going to talk about specifically when does marijuana use become a problem? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I grew up in an era when it became popular mm. and uh you know recalling when i was a teenager um 50 55 years ago there was a strong push at that time to legalize it mm. and so 50 plus years later it finally has been legalized mm. to what extent i don't know um not getting into the political part of it here on our broadcast, but really kind of taking a look on a on a research basis of how marijuana affects us. And we're not talking about for medicinal purposes. No, this is for recreational use. Yep, that would be a whole other uh, discussion in talking about medical marijuana. So we're not referring to that today, folks. But what we're going to talk about is the um, short-term and long-term effects of using marijuana on a regular basis and so we got some research and perhaps some anecdotal stories but mainly we want to make this research based and just kind of have a good clinical discussion about how it does affect the brain absolutely so for those of you who are equally as passionate about you know about this topic then we can talk later so how would i like to start with some fact or fiction questions so fact or fiction true or false marijuana is addictive true or false true true it can be how about this when someone's been using marijuana regularly in larger quantities and stops using it there are absolutely no withdrawal symptoms true or false that would be false that is false there are withdrawal symptoms and ask anyone who's stopped even for a short period in time they would tell you they did experience um maybe potentially some headaches even some mood changes and other things that are associated with withdrawal is it safe or it is safe to drive after smoking marijuana, true or false? That would be false. And, you know, much like when alcohol, you know, is considered such a normal part of life. And you, we know you're not supposed to drink and drive. But it seemed to me when marijuana was legalized, now, well, I can smoke and drive. <laughs> no. No more than you can if you drink and drive. I remember when it was first legalized, probably a little less now. And this is just my experience of, you know, driving down the street, especially at certain intersections in our town. And I would smell weed very, very heavy just driving past someone's vehicle. And then I would look and see the car, you know, all smoky as the person was driving down the road. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, man, I feel a little more unsafe now on the road with you behind the wheel. Although I've had clients and individuals I've talked to over the years who will swear that they're more effective behind the wheel or better drivers after they've been smoking. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, two summers ago, I was following a car up a very well-known street here in Peoria on my way home. It was August. It was humid. And we were at a stoplight, and the car in front of me, I could see the smoke inside the vehicle and the smoke coming out the driver's window. And I kid you not, folks, it was the sweetest, most powerful, 
smell of marijuana I had ever experienced in my life. Mm. And I thought, if I follow this guy much farther, I'm going to get high just smelling it. <laughs> uh, it was just in incredible. And, you know, I followed him a couple of blocks and he navigated the street okay and turned into apparently what was his home. But, you know, I, I thought about that and I thought, you know, we don't know how it affects us. Mm -mm. While there are some general ways it affects us, every person's brain chemistry is different. Their tolerance levels are different. Wow. Folks, just like drinking, do not drive after you've smoked weed. And it's really difficult to assess how impaired you are when you're impaired. Oh, exactly. So making decisions then is just not wise. No. So let's talk about, you know, some of the ways that people consume um, cannabis and the effects that it has on them. Well, the, the two most uh, popular ways are smoking it or mm -hmm. ingesting it through edibles. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, Tiffany, you and I talked about is that from an edible standpoint, it does not get into the system as quickly as it does when you smoke it. No. And so when people don't seem to get the THC benefit of the edibles, they have a tendency to consume more. Mm -hmm. And that becomes problematic. It definitely can. I remember reading an article of a journalist who decided to try edibles. This was long before, you know, it was legalized. And she, I don't think she knew that, that you're not going to get the effects right away. And so she consumed quite a bit. This was her first time, according to her article, ever consuming um, cannabis on any level. And uh, afterwards, um, she ended up um, becoming very paranoid and very anxious about 20 to 30 minutes later when it finally hit her system in full force. And she talked about it being one of the worst experiences of her life um, with edibles. And I don't know if she decided to do it again after that um, to try it differently. But um, that really sat with me as far as, um, you know, cautioning people against, you know, consuming edibles in large quantities if they're going to consume at all. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the common, most common way, of course, is smoking. It. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that people need to realize with uh, street value uh, marijuana, non-medical marijuana, um, is that most researchers will say that in today's world, the THC levels from the 1960s is somewhere around 31 to 33 percent higher. That is significant. Mm -hmm. Of course, THC is the reason you smoke it. There wouldn't be a lot of benefit otherwise. And so you're not sure what you're getting when you purchase this mm -hmm. uh, substance. And knowing that the THC values are higher, that only leads to you becoming more addicted and therefore more hooked into the person you're buying it from. Absolutely. So marijuana, you know, according to statistics, is one of the most commonly used illegal drugs in the U.S. And we say illegal, it's still illegal on the federal level. I think that's going to change here relatively soon. Yeah. Um, it might be like legalized on the, on the local level. Um, and there are about 22.2 million users each month. And research shows that about one in 10 marijuana users will become addicted and people who actually began using before the age of 18, that number rises to about one in six. 
Yeah, and I think with uh, with that in mind, um, let's take a look at the short-term effects real quick. Mm-hmm. So when a person smokes marijuana, the THC then quickly passes from your lungs into the bloodstream. And then the blood carries the chemical to the brain and to the other organs throughout your body. The body absorbs the THC more slowly uh, when you... Uh, eat it or drink it as we noted but when you smoke it it can get into your system pretty quickly and the thc and this is very important acts on specific cell brain receptors that ordinarily react to natural thc chemicals so when those um, neural pathways and those receptors start to react then the normal brain function gives way to the THC and it kind of takes you where it takes you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a unscientific description of what they're saying here. But the thing that I am moved by is um, you think of long-term effects. I was surprised um, even though I treat this on a regular basis to notice this new research on how it affects you short-term um, altered senses including seeing brighter colors. Um, This one I did know, an altered sense of time, um, changes in mood, um, impaired body movement, difficulty with thinking and problem solving, uh, impaired memory, and when taken in high doses with high THC levels, there can be hallucinations, uh, delusions, and then psychosis. Now, those last three, we would think more, that would be the result of long-term usage. Mm-hmm. My theory, I'm summarizing that, that perhaps because of the higher THC levels, those last three that I mentioned become more prevalent in short-term use. Absolutely. I would agree. I'm going to throw a few more in there when it comes down to the short-term use. You know, a lot of times, you know, if an individual, you know, smokes marijuana, especially for, you know, the first couple of times, they might, you know, feel like everything is really new and interesting. Like you said, you know, different sensations when it comes to colors and uh, even sense of time, and that might be enjoyable. But with longer term use, you can actually develop what's called an amotivational syndrome, which is basically the ability to experience novelty, that newness, that wonder that sometimes comes with life becomes blunted with regular use. Hmm. And so it becomes very difficult to be motivated to do much of anything. Nothing is as exciting anymore. Um, so when we look at short-term use, you know, we can't talk about that without also talking about some of the long-term effects. And with any drug of abuse, I typically tell my clients that, you know, there's usually some short-term benefits. We use it for a reason or else it wouldn't be considered a drug of abuse, but there are typically long-term negative consequences. And some of the long-term effects can include very acute mental effects, you know, with high potency use and long-term use, um, anxiety and paranoia are associated with it. I find it very interesting that um, most individuals I talk to who have used um, over a 
for the duration for a long time, will say that they often use to help calm their anxiety and it's pretty effective. And I won't argue with that. I don't recommend it, but I won't argue with that. But it's interesting to note that you can actually become more anxious on the other side of using than you ever were before you started using in the first place. So the very thing can be causing you more of a problem. Mood disorders, suicidal ideations, confusion and brain fog, difficulty with concentration and memory issues are among the most noted symptoms I hear clients discussing. I used to work in very briefly, I interned in an inpatient um, adolescent facility and the primary drug of abuse in that facility was um, marijuana. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, running a group and I was asking the gentleman that I was, that I were working with, you know, to remember something and it was just remembering things about their childhood and probably had to do with coping skills more than likely we were discussing. And I remember one um, who had quite a sense of humor, look at me and say, you know what? I don't remember anything. I smoke too much weed. And I thought it was, I mean, it was very funny at the time, but looking back and thinking, wow, you have the awareness to know that your long-term use of marijuana has significantly impacted your ability to remember things. Well, yes. And the reason that I think that has, does not wave a red flag with people is because like alcohol, like pornography, like marijuana or any other drug, the nucleus cumins of the brain where a lot of dopamine receptors are, Mm -hmm. absolutely loves getting a charge or more dopamine. Mm -hmm. So your system starts to produce more dopamine around the substance that you're doing because dopamine is the feel-good chemical of the brain. And we often, you know, find laymen or families, people in public saying, well, why don't you just quit? Hmm. Well, would that it would be that easy. It It's not because the brain wants that dopamine. It doesn't feel it can function. It doesn't feel it can put one foot in front of the other, ultimately, unless it has that rush of dopamine. So the desire to feel good and to have those dopamine receptors satisfied often interferes with problem-solving, good decision-making, and otherwise higher functioning. It just gives way, and so what we want more than anything is to feel good, regardless of what our logical mind is saying. Absolutely. For those of you that are unaware, you know, as far as how the brain chemistry works, um, simply put, you know, drugs of abuse, specifically, we're talking about cannabis today, you know, work so well because they mimic neurotransmitters that our bodies naturally make. And the receptors that those transmitters fit pretty perfectly and drugs of abuse typically fit really good in yeah. kind of like, you know, keys that unlock um, different connections in our brain. And when that happens, um, our, our brain is really good at regulating. And so it will get to a place where it will pretty much, you know, stop kind of um, developing the chemicals or neurotransmitters that our body naturally makes because of the drug has kind of taken its place. And so when you take away that mm-hmm. substance that you're, that you've been ingesting and your body's like, wait a minute, I need something. 
I need something now. And so you start to go through withdrawal and it, it feels very, very painful, which often drives people to resume using, you know, that substance. And so there needs to be a space of withdrawal. There needs to be a space of getting your system cleaned out, um, including good nutrition and exercise and even supplementing in order to give your body an opportunity to heal and get back to doing the things that it did before you started using the substance. So the process of recovery is not an easy one. It's not. And the misnomer is um, I haven't smoked in two weeks, so I'm good. <laughs> I don't feel high. I'm, I'm operating okay. Uh, oh, I got to do a drug test. Oh. So I do a drop. Guess what? Still T in your system. It is, because THC can remain in someone's system 40, sometimes 45 days. Mm -hmm. Even though it might be a trace, if that's there, that could jeopardize employment. Mm -hmm. So you know, a lot of times people think that it's just, it's not there now because I'm not feeling under the influence. But the insidious nature of THC is that it can be in your system that long, and and that can be hugely jeopardizing to your career or your employment. Absolutely, especially if you work in certain careers. I was reading an article recently um, about kind of a, a push or an initiative not to require specific drug tests, or if a if an employee does test positive for um, cannabis, then. Um, there should be, you know, rules against them losing their employment because of it, because now it is, you know, it's legalized in Illinois. And so, you know, you know, in our society, the rules surrounding marijuana use are changing. I think they will continue to change again as, you know, the push to legalize on the federal level happens. We'll see a whole lot more. We see a lot more things happen. And, you know, I think as a result of that, um, we're going to have to continue to adjust our mindset about using specifically from a mental an emotional standpoint so it may be legal for you to use but the question i ask often of my clients is is it truly beneficial for you to use it's an excellent question and i think it's a question that needs to be answered um i'm more concerned um based on a study by duke university in new zealand where they studied 13 to 18 year olds uh, and followed them up through age 38. And what they found is that on a regular basis, those particular individuals lost eight points from their IQ. Wow. Now, they said if you started smoking as an adult, not so much on the IQ level, mm -hmm. but certainly these other short-term effects we were talking about could, could easily become part of what you experience mm -hmm. if you are smoking heavily as an adult but just the idea that if you start that young while the brain is still developing and growing and connecting neural pathways losing that many points on your iq doesn't sound like a, a very good proposition it doesn't and keep in mind adulthood does not start you know for as far as the brain is concerned at 18 you continue your brain continues to develop upwards through 20 age 23 and 24 so we're talking about you know brain changes and development it's it's through even early adulthood. So that's hugely important. You know, Howard, again, I'm very passionate about these conversations, and I know we'll probably have some listeners who um, perhaps are, you know, 
regular marijuana users and i and i want to say you know i mean i don't mean to um you know shame anyone for choices or decisions to use again the question i will ask and pose again is you know it may be legal for you to do and it may be your legal right you know at the end of the day though is it beneficial for you when you consider your mental you know and emotional health and that's a question that you'll have to you know I would challenge our listeners to ponder. And last thing I want to note, you know, real quick is, you know, as far as substances are concerned, this is one that is often deemed as not being dangerous because compared to other substances, it seems a lot less dangerous, but I want to caution our listeners against saying there is no danger in use because there is, because it does have an effect and the long-term effects are not typically beneficial so it is dangerous it's more insidious and in how dangerous it is and how dangerous it is excuse me compared to alcohol and maybe other drugs yeah and i would urge our listeners uh, just to get a more objective view uh, to go to the mayo clinic site or the harvard med school site i i go to those particular sites to study things like this and uh, there are some good studies there on marijuana and uh, again, we're not shaming no. and we're not trying to create any issue or problem here. We just know that this is a controversial drug uh, mm-hmm. in society, has been my entire lifetime. And as I'm seeing at my age now in my mid-60s, the uh, change in public policy toward this particular drug, it's uh, both disconcerting and fascinating to me to watch how these things are starting to come to pass. And ultimately, we want our bodies to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So whatever it is that we're doing to it that is not exponentially honoring God, perhaps should be looked at. Definitely should. So again, I'll pose that same question to ponder. Listeners, we'll leave you with this. It may be legal. You may have a legal right to use it. But at the end of the day, is it truly beneficial for you? And may you be able to answer that question. (laughs) Well, folks, until we talk with you again, God bless and shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.